0: Would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures, such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting. Be part of our website and share those memorable moments with Channel Africa and the rest of the world. Don't miss this opportunity. Take a picture now. Pictures can be sent to info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. You can view your pictures on www.channelafrica.co.za and also on our Facebook page. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Moshatama. Thank you for joining us here on our program. Well, as I mentioned, we start the program. Today, we're asking the question is the African farmer a dying breed? Well, a new report suggests that the African farmer is a dying breed. The 2015 Africa Agricultural Status Report found that the majority of the continent's food producers average 60 years of age. The report was released during the Ongoing Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa, also known as Agra. Uh, This was a conference that was held in Lusaka, Zambia. It calls for incentives to attract Africa's growing youth population back to farms, suggesting that unemployed youth could be the solution to food insecurity, the continent's biggest challenge as well. Today, we're going to be looking at this particular topic, but also just widening this conversation to look at the challenges and why there's such a huge focus on the African continent on commercial farming instead of boosting small-scale farming? Well, joining us in our program is also the contributor of this particular report that we just highlighted, Dr. David Amewo, who is the Head of Strategy, Monitoring and Evaluation at the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa. We'll come back to him to look at the main findings of this particular report. We also have Dr. Barbara Van Kuypen, who is the Principal Researcher of Poverty, Gender and Water of the Southern Africa. Africa Regional Program at the International Water Management Institute. We also have him, uh, Ahweng Kodhek, who is the Senior Agribusiness Advisor of the Africa Enterprise Challenge Fund. So all these people really, really know what they're talking about when it comes to agriculture. But let me start this conversation with you, Dr. David Amawo. Thank you for joining us on the program.
2: Thank you very much, and I'm happy to join you from Nairobi, Kenya.
1: Fantastic. We love Kenya indeed, and thank you for joining us here in our Johannesburg studios. Now, uh, Doctor, tell us a little bit about the key findings of this particular report. We won't really dwell in it, but we're going to look at some of the challenges in terms of uh, agriculture. But let's look at the main suggestions in this report. It really looks at the fact that um, the majority of the continent's food producer average 60 years of age. Why is that the case? What are the factors contributing to this?
2: Yes, uh, when you look at African agriculture and the form of uh, the type of agriculture that we do, the, the the constraints that we face in African agriculture, such as our land tenure system, such as access to finance, such as uh, the type of entrepreneurship skills that are required, uh, such as risk and policies our government are putting in place, you know, it's not naturally attracting the young population on the continent. And we all know that Africa have the youngest population in the world and the largest share of the world available land, arable land, are in Africa. We know that about 65% of the total population in Africa is below the age of 35 years and about 10 million are entering the, the labor force annually. You know, and at the same time, you know, we have a big unemployment with, among youth in Africa. But because of the constraint the five constraints listed above, you know, it is making it unattractive to youth. And that is the problem that this report was trying to address mm. on the the situation of the the, the farming in Africa and how we will be able to get young people to enter to maintain high productivity and low employment and reduction in cities on the continent.
1: Mm. Let me move on to our other guests. Let me come to you, Dr. Barbara Van Kuypen, who's joining us here from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. I think you in Pretoria. Sorry about that. But, uh, Dr. Van Kuypen, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. Now, uh, Dr. Van Kuypen, we've just uh, highlighted that fact that, hey, we are seeing the fact that, you know, agriculture does not really attract young people because maybe it doesn't seem like an economic viable uh, choice for young people in today's times. Um, how does how do we change this particular reality, some of the factors that uh, were highlighted by Dr. Mew.
3: Um Thanks for the invite. Um, I'm working uh, very much from the, the water uh, side sure. and what we see uh, across Africa it, it, is that uh, whenever there are markets available, that also young people, young men, young women, that they do invest in uh, uh, small uh, irrigation pumps, or mm-hmm. that they do divert the water of the rivers to um, to start cultivating, um, and that the real the real issue is what are the markets, what is, what is the economic profitability um, of uh, farming, and then um, it's. I fully agree that uh, the, the problem of the youth and their opportunities is very important. At the same time, the farming is often done in, in a family, so even if the average age would be 60, probably the, the, the older person works with uh, younger, with his family uh, or her family as well. Um, so we need to get a better grip on the, the demographics of the findings that were just mentioned as well. We do see uh, farmers uh, taking up water, investing in in water management as soon as there are markets. And then the big issue is what is the alternative? If it's not uh, agriculture, what is the other engine of growth? It's not uh, coming out of the urban areas uh, either.
1: Mm. Well, I'll I'll come back to Mr. Khem uh, Agunza Kodek to really take this uh, uh, conversation a little bit forward because I think uh, Dr. Akwepena and Dr. Um, Amewo have really cemented really how we can start this conversation. But we'll we'll continue after this particular break. But we want to hear from you before we go there. Do you think that uh, uh, the African farmer is a dying breed? Are we doing enough to actually attract young people in terms of farming? Plus Plus two seven seven nine nine five seven nine three zero plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero when we come back we'll look at other areas such as uh, the share from small-scale farming to commercial farming seems that's the trend in terms of some African governments seem to be going that route looking at uh, ex- South Africa as an example so we we'll look at other themes as well also look at the issue of uh, how do you subsidize small-scale farming also uh, we know the issue of uh, the idea of the establishment of cooperatives is something that we've left behind a little bit as africans but hey do you interact with us plus 27796957930 let's take a quick break would like to get to know you, our listener. So, we are asking you to tell us the country you are in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One. Or write to us at the address P.O. Box, 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006, Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining me on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. That's if you're listening to us on shortwave. And if you're listening to us on DSTV on Channel 902, thank you for also streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're asking on our program, is the African farmer a dying breed? What are your thoughts around that particular subject? 2779 2779-695-695. Seven nine three zero. That's our SMS number, 2779 nine Today we're speaking to Dr. David Amawo, who is the Head of Strategy, Monitoring and Evaluation at the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa, also known as AGRA. Also we've got uh, Dr. Barbara Van Kuypen, who's the Principal Researcher in Poverty, Gender and Water in the Southern Africa Regional Program of the International Water Management Institute. We also have the Senior Agribusiness Advisor of the Africa Enterprise. Challenge Fund, who is Rem Arwings uh, Kodak, who's joining us as well. Rem, uh, thank you for joining us as well. Well, we've been really trying to look at this particular issue of uh, really the idea of um, the African farmer being a dying breed. We're seeing that uh, the average age is 60 years of age, as highlighted in this report by the AGRA, which is the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa. In terms of just uh, your thoughts around this uh, idea of us not being able to attract young people, what are your thoughts, Khem?
4: Okay, first I'd say that young people are looking for a way of making a living. Yeah. They're, they're, they don't want to do farming with a hoe. but they are interested in agribusiness side of agriculture in terms of marketing and trade of agricultural products. When you talk to young people about farming, the first thing they point out is they don't own the land. Without owning the land or having the funds to invest in irrigation of the land, it's really difficult for them to get involved in agriculture. These are some of the interventions they would wish their families or their governments would allow them in order to have better access to land on which to do agriculture.
1: Mm. And and so in terms of uh, us turning that reality around, what would we have to do, do? How would we have to reimagine farming for young people?
4: I think when you when you fly across Africa, you see huge expanses of land which mm. is not being utilised at all. But somebody owns it, either traditionally or a large-scale commercial farmer or a large multinational Um, as long as there's water on the land and access to roads and markets these are places where young people would be interested to settle and invest but so far it's not been a focus of African governments to encourage young people to move into rural spaces there's a lot going on in the towns and a lot of activity but I am beginning to see a little bit of a trend where young people are looking for a way to get into the rural area using the mobile phone and using internet banking and some of the things that make rural life uh, a little bit more interesting to young people who want to be connected to the internet and Facebook, etc., etc.
1: Well, let me bring that back to you, Dr. David Amowo, the issue of, um, uh, you know... Uh, access to land because it seems like that is a big big issue when it comes to this uh, topic because there are those who say land grabs land grabs from international conglomerates on the continent are taking away the empowerment from young people and also from peasant farmers is this a fair assessment in terms of looking at the situation on the continent it seems like land is central to the fact that we can't really develop um, the small-scale farming uh, from uh, community perspective, it's very difficult for us to do that because land ownership seems to be the main hindrance.
2: Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, the fact is that, you know, investments usually look for greater return. And where there is a greater return, investment either falling or, or national usually follows there. And I think one of the things that maybe our young population and our farming communities have not seen is the, invest- the, the return opportunities, the investment opportunities in agriculture. You know, currently, uh, the food market in Africa, which was about $313 billion in 2010, is estimated to grow to about $1 trillion in 2030. You know, food imports in Africa currently since uh, 2003 have exceeded food exports, which means that there is a lot of opportunities for young farmers to be either producers and suppliers of food to meet the growing demand, you know, in Africa domestic markets. Therefore, it comes in, you know, why Africa governments are outside their Promoting investment, investors investors always look at opportunities. Therefore, foreign investors have seen the opportunity in agriculture more than the African investors seen, and they are coming. Hmm. The question is, if we are promoting investment, and most of African countries, you go and you have an investment promotion council. And if our governments are out promoting people from China, from Europe, from Japan to come and invest, people cannot invest in space. People invest in tangible things like land. So the the question of whether it's a land grab or it's not a land grab or it's a full utilization of land is the question of where investment is flowing. If we make access to finance available to young people why in the United States about eighty to ninety five percent of young people between the age of fifteen to twenty four are exposed to some sort of financial access mm. either they have a bank account they have credit card, or they have taken a loan to buy a car in Africa, access to financial markets for young people is below Twenty-five percent, and I'm talking about young people who have either access to a a bank accounts or credit or something. Mm. If we want people to invest domestically, then access to finance should be tackled. If you look at our educational system, and I I I, I like what Professor was a doctor was talking about, about you know making agriculture attractive to young people. We don't train our young people to develop an entrepreneurship skills in agriculture value chain. Therefore, even if the opportunity is there, people don't have the initiative to take. There are so many opportunities in agriculture value chain that young people can invest. Mm. But our educational system are not building that skills mm. and that mindset for people to see that opportunity. So you see young people in the rural areas moving to the city to sell, you know, dog chain or or Chinese imported commodities instead of using that energy, dynamism, resourcefulness and entrepreneurship skills in agriculture
1: in the rural area. Hmm. Well, let, so, let, 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 me, let me move on to, to one of our guests. I think I get the gist of what you're highlighting there, Dr. Amarwal. Let me come back to you, uh, Dr. Barbara from Famukwop, in terms of some of the issues highlighted there by uh, Dr. Amarwal um, uh, in terms of uh, the, the fact that, you know, we're not really getting young people to actually invest in land. But also, my thing in my head is like land is very expensive and also we come from a very space in our history to where we still need to get empowered as young people In terms of financial resources And also collateral is another issue That we can really, really describe As one that's not really for Someone who needs to be empowered Sometimes it, it doesn't really help someone Who doesn't have anything So how do we work around those particular issues Dr. Van Kopen? Um Well, the, the issue of
3: land um, uh, And customary tenure uh, Is important mm. um, For uh, or question of investments in, in water infrastructure, which is also an investment in land. Um, we, we don't think that customary uh, uh, tenure as such is really a problem. Pe- people do invest. There may be an issue um, of youngsters uh, yeah, negotiating with their parents, uh, and we, we need to do uh, much more research to really understand the, the generational issues in the family. Yeah. Of course, we also um, uh, need to understand then the gender issues uh, much better. And in that regard, um, uh, half of Zambia and half of Malawi is matrilineal, so the land inherits from mother to daughter. And we find that it is a quite productive way, a productive way of uh, a tenure, because both men and women they uh, they work uh, and produce. Um, but in the the laws. Uh, the the tenure laws we we um we see again the whole issue of inheritance in both patrilineal and matrilineal uh, areas um, and also coming back to the issue that was mentioned about the investment in land and the land grabs and i would say the land and water grabs because the the grabs go to land where there is a lot of water as well um, the, also uh, the research that has been done on these uh, uh, large scale investments both uh, from the national nationals and uh, foreigners. Is that there uh, um there are often big promises on what will be done in terms of productivity, but those promises are not uh, not uh, realized and um if people can u- can keep their land but if the um, investors they they have arrangements on markets on in- input supply so more the outgrower uh, type of con- contracts in which the the African farmers keep their land that uh, that seems to work better than than taking the land uh, Away. And the last point in that regard is our whole notion of what is commercial and what is small-scale. Um, I know, it's, uh, especially South Africa, this notion that uh, small-scale farmers are not commercial. Definitely, Asia has grown, has uh, become yeah, wealthy on, the, on the, with the, the productivity of all small-scale farmers, less than one hectare. For, of course, uh, every farmer wants to uh, grow, maybe for own food, but... We, have, we live in a monetary economy. Everybody needs a bit of money. So whenever, as I said, whenever there are markets and there is opportunity to gain, uh, to, uh, gain money, mm. uh, people start producing. Mm. Uh, there's more even on a homestead of, of, of a quarter of a hectare.
1: Mm. Ham, your thoughts around what we're talking around uh, this particular issue of land grabs, uh, also investments on uh, that particular land and also empowering um, uh, farmers on, on the continent. What are your thoughts?
4: Based, um, I, think. Um, I think Africa needs to feed the world in the next 50, 20 years. And I think really it's a choice between using a Brazilian model of large-scale, commercialized, mechanized, or using the Asian model, which is small-scale, and really what a country like Northern Thailand, I think, is my vision for Africa. Provide the water, put the people in place, and they can really produce large agricultural And I think that's the way Africa should go.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll continue with our guests. And I, I want to also pick Khem's uh, uh, views on that particular issue or on, on how we can actually balance that whole idea of small-scale farming and commercial farming. Hey, do you think that the African farmer is a dying breed? Let us know your thoughts. Today, we're speaking to uh, experts on this particular issue. We know that the big challenge is actually getting young people into farming. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's the SMS number. What are your thoughts? Do you think that the African farmer Mama is a dying breed. +27 79695 seven, 7930. Let's take a quick break.
0: Would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting be part of our website and share those memorable moments with channel africa and the rest of the world don't miss this opportunity take a picture now pictures can be sent to info at channelafrica.org that's info at channelafrica.org you can view your pictures on www. .channelafrica.co.za and also on our Facebook page Channel Africa The Voice of the African Renaissance
1: Well, you are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Moshadama. Today, we're focusing on the issue of agriculture. Every day, from Monday to Thursday, we really look at the pertinent issues on the continent. And here we have really, really great guests that come into our program. And we make sure that we bring you expertise that know what they're talking about. I've heard programs where someone is speaking about agriculture, but not even in the agricultural field. So we try really, really unpack some of the big stories and really, really get each layer and just get context around those particular stories. And Today, we're looking at, uh, really, is the African farmer a dying breed? That's the question we're asking today. And I just want to really pick more of your brain there, Kheem, in terms of some of the issue that you highlighted. Uh, really, how do you actually balance the investment in small-scale farming and also uh, really let that also uh, not uh, uh, be one that just is undermined and also we we let that actually be in sync with commercial farming. How do we balance the two? You know, Dr. Barbara Van Kopen highlighted those particular issues about the myths around small-scale farming. Some people say small-scale farming is not really commercial, but we know that it is.
4: Yeah, every small-scale farmer I've met is a business person. And they always think about how to make money, use less input, how to get better inputs at a cheaper price. And the big one is how to access markets and how to reduce uncertainty with the weather and through irrigation or other things. Um. They're commercial. The problem they have is they're limited in terms of their capital, which is why if some big guy comes from Dubai or Saudi Arabia and accesses 100,000 hectares, that's part of the African story going forward. People will produce on large commercial farms. But, you know, you may have one tractor and two employees, and the same amount of land could provide useful employment for hundreds of families and thousands of young people. I think we don't want all our African young people to be hanging around towns selling Chinese Products. But really, they can be in their farms producing products that China is short of and actually exporting agricultural produce to China. I think that's the kind of mind shift I would wish our governments would take on board. How do you make young people access large amounts of land? When you think of the Kenyan highlands and the Kenyan agricultural experience over the last hundred years, when, when English soldiers came up to the first and second world war, these were young people who the government helped to access land, 100 acres, 1,000 acres, and it created an agricultural revolution. I think we need to do that again and make some of this idle land in Africa more available to young people and make sure that there's water on that land so they can access it without needing large large amounts of money to buy the land.
1: Hmm. Let me come back to Dr. David Amawo in terms of that issue of uh, uh, funding, uh, because that's a problem for entrants, uh, especially entrants and small-scale farmers. Uh, What are the main challenges in this regard, and uh, where are African governments finding it hard to invest in uh, this particular uh, form of farming? Is it because there's not enough farming, uh, because we're focusing on other areas? Where are we getting it wrong as the continent?
2: well uh if you look at uh, the Malabo, uh, the Maputo declaration which wanted African government to invest about 10 percent of their public expenditure in ag- agriculture you know currently we have about 13 African countries out of the 54 countries we, you know that have either adapted Target level, or have exceeded a target level of about 10% of their public expenditure in agriculture, but other governments are doing a lot, you know, and governments have been But in general, one of the biggest constraints to uh, youth in agriculture, and as the the publication talk about, is access to finance, both private and public. You know, government has a lot of expenditures. The government are doing a lot of things, public sector, investment in research, in, in extension services, in policy reforms, are uh, all going on in most countries. But still, there are a lot. You know, if you look at the current interest rate in most countries, you know, agricultural lending because of the seniority of, the, of, of, the, of that sector and also the risk that are involved, you know, pu- public financial uh, uh, operations charge higher interest. But countries like Nigeria, where they came up with an innovative finance of buying down the cost of credits, have helped a lot of farmers, uh, young farmers to be able to access finance to uh enter agriculture, Kenya, you know, in collaboration with Agra and, and, and uh and IFAD, you know, in a venture called profits, it's also buying down the cost of credit so that uh young people will be able to access credit in order to go to agriculture. But if you look at the, the report, we mm-hmm. propose different initiatives and from Hans even organization which is the Africa uh, challenge, enterprise challenge fund, you know, where grants are being given to innovations that are going in, in agriculture, is trying to address some of those issues. We propose different types of, uh, of uh, uh, financial services that government can do and, and support mm-hmm. so that we will be able to get those assets, you mm-hmm. know. But what they can do mm-hmm. most. Is the policy and the regulatory environment for the youth in order for them to access agriculture finance? Mm.
1: Well, let, let if me. The
2: government, um,
1: so, let me okay. move on. To, so, to to Dr. Barbara Van uh, Great examples that have been made there by Dr. Amowo on how you can actually uh, create a system of uh, finance there. But also, how do we also maintain the issue of, you highlighted earlier on, and I really wanted to touch on this, uh, the idea of women in farming, and I know that it's something that's been emphasized over and over again about the importance of African women in farming and how they play a very uh, innovative role in that particular space. Your thoughts around that, Dr. Because I know you also deal with gender issues in agriculture.
3: Um, and this is important, especially because the the donors, the funders, the, the international development aid, they come from cultures in which it is normal that the, the man is the head of the household and the breadwinner, which can be traced back to uh, many thousands of years ago, etc. I won't go into that. But they have um, problems, um, and me, myself, also coming from Europe. Uh, and but now in Africa, there is a huge difference in Africa in the sense that both men and women are, are really working together in the, in the household as uh, producers. Um, and as I mentioned, land is still inherited from mother to daughter in many parts of uh, southern Africa and even elsewhere as well. And that is something that the colonial powers couldn't deal with. If they have been very strong in, in promoting the idea that the man is the head of the household and then and the women are just housewives so they don't need access to credit uh, and capital as mentioned very important or land or water infrastructure um, and that um, yeah the stereotype is still quite strong mm. I think in the de- international development aid mm. not knowing the the realities on the ground in uh, in, in Africa.
1: Yeah. And uh, and, and, yeah. and Dr. Van Koppen, the realities are different in Africa. We are yeah. seeing a lot of partic- participation of women in farming. Your thoughts yeah. around that? What have you seen in that regard of their participation and the importance of it?
3: That um uh, that even if the, we have the two systems, patrilineal and matrilineal, mm-hmm. uh land inheritance and land is important, although labour of course is also uh, very important. Sure. It's much more an um yeah, a joint uh, enterprise both men and women uh, work and they have may have their own uh tasks uh, the men may be more in the livestock the women may be more in the cropping but um even and anyhow that is changing tremendously uh, for young girls and and mm. and uh, boys i think it is already uh, quite different uh um, but it is much more a joint enterprise uh, in which both uh, genders get uh, can get access to credit inputs land uh, etc mm. and and then both are productive, uh, which is, in fact, it's much more aligned to the, uh, the human rights and the conventions um, uh, of elimination of all forms of discrimination against women. These international standards, they are already applied in many parts of Africa on the ground, but um, that's still, yeah, still something new for, for many people. Mm-hmm. Also, because the, um, a lot of the agricultural policies are set by, yeah, by uh, Europe, uh, the USA, um, and industrialized countries who don't Mm. have that experience.
1: Mm. Now, also, you you spoke about uh, really establishment and I think also another thing that is interesting is the idea of cooperatives and let, let me move that to you, Edwin Skodek, in terms of um, the establishment of cooperatives is also an important um, thing in agriculture. Uh, do we still have a focus of cooperatives? I know in South Africa we 've kind of um, moved away from cooperatives, but I thought they were very innovative looking at the history of them and looking at how they grow and they, they become commercial uh, as they become uh, lucrative in terms of profit-making. Your thoughts around how we can also uh, really invest in cooperatives?
4: Okay, I think the word cooperative has got a bad name around Africa. Sure. And I think you know, the idea of collective action, where people come together to access inputs and markets, is very important. And I see you know the cooperative structure, which had the heavy hand of government in there, is, what, is not what people are looking for now. There's a lot of self-help activities and groups where people are coming together. Hmm. I think when you have large numbers of small-scale farmers, they do they do need to come together in some ways, maybe not in the traditional cooperative, but in new working arrangements that allow them to access yeah. markets and inputs more cheaply. I think it's a very important collective action is a very important part of organising all the agriculture hmm. to become more commercial and to become more attractive to young people.
1: Hmm. And, and I think that also in terms of that, it also creates uh, that kind of business culture, doesn't it?
4: They do, but I think there was too much hand of government in the cooperatives I've seen. Mm. So people want business-oriented collective action. The name cooperative is not used, but it's it's like a cooperative but more private sector, youth-oriented, and I think modernized form of cooperative. Not the kind of cooperative that we had in Europe you know, mm. 200 years ago. Mm. A modern African cooperative.
1: Sure. Uh, let me come back to you, Dr. Amiwo. Your thoughts around uh, cooperatives?
2: Yes. Uh, you know, if you look at the characteristics and the need of African farming, where it's, you know, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, as you said, you know, in South Africa, because of commercialization of agriculture, uh, cooperatives is not working. But most part of sub-Saharan Africa, what we term as farmers' organizations, you know, instead of using the word cooperative, we use farmer organizations and agra, we host the Farmer Organization Support Center in Africa. It's one of the key ways to, for farmers to be able to access market and also access, uh, uh, access agriculture inputs. You know, bulk buying and bulk selling cuts reduce costs to farmers and also give them the ability to negotiate better terms for their, uh, for their farm produce. By working with uh, cooperatives or farmer organizations, it's easy to provide services, it's easy to, to provide training, it's easy for them to get the good bargaining power to negotiate for better terms in assessing agriculture inputs, mechanization, even water usage, mm-hmm. and also for them to be able to have that power to be able to negotiate with, uh, with traders, and get better prices for their produce. So, in area of commercialization, cooperative will not maybe work. But we are coming up with innovative approaches where farmer organizations, you know, mm-hmm. that through what mm-hmm. we call outgrowers or, you know, aggregate sets mm-hmm. or box, box uh, purchase and box selling, are really, really changing the landscape and it is helping. A lot sure. of small older sure. In sub-Saharan Africa.
1: Hmm. Well, that's how we're going to wrap it up, and uh, thank you to our guests. I think we covered uh, so many areas, and uh, we covered a whole lot of issues. But I think they're all related to empowering empowering the African farmer. Uh, thank you to Dr. David Amawo, the head of strategy, monitoring, and evaluation at the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa, also known as Agra. Thank you also to Dr. Barbara Van Kwepen, who's the principal researcher of poverty, gender, and water of the Southern. Africa Regional Program at the International Water Management Institute. Thank you as well to Khem Akwings Kodak, who is the Senior Agribusiness Advisor uh, at the Africa Enterprise Challenge Fund. Thank you all for joining us in our program. Well, uh, hey, it's like sitting on a mine, isn't it? I mean, when you look at the statistics, it's actually actually uh, Im- important for us to invest in agriculture. Uh, you know, the figures show that uh, really much there's large lands that are arable that are not even invested in. That's how we wrap it up. What are your thoughts? Do you think that uh, the African farmers a dying breed? Hey, let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you. So do SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We want to hear from you. You can also find us on our uh, Twitter handle at Channel Africa One. At Channel Africa 1 Hey, it's estimated that agriculture provides 65% of the continent's jobs And also we've got uh, this huge potential that we're sitting on Africa holds up to 60% of the world's uncultivated arable land It's uncultivated, it's there It's waiting for us to do something to it What are your thoughts? Do you think the African farmer is a dying breed? What are your thoughts? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. 695 2779-695-7930 Well, we're going to play the song once again it's a hit in South Africa. It's titled Nom Vula. Uh, it is by an artist called Nati. We've been playing it a lot here. I think, hey, we should remove it from the, the song list. But, hey, it's a beautiful song, by the way. But until tomorrow, God bless. <laughs>
0: njanguwe yaluba standa ni silale matunge njanguwe no yaluba standa ni silale matunge denzi wanguwe yaluba standa ni silale matunge pasani ta Nibizere
1: and a full hour. Nade, itali, Bileka.
3: Bazali Ba.